You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to a third Garibaldi Red of what has been a mad emotional roller coaster week for Nottingham Forest. And we're back today with the news that Steve Cooper has signed a new contract with the Reds until the summer of 2025. I guess something none of us saw coming looking back to Monday and Tuesday. But this is what has happened. So we're going to discuss that with, first of all, Michael Temple. Temps, how are you? Afternoon, Matt. You've been busy, haven't you? It's <laughs> not water in this bottle, not in this glass, no. <laughs> and Greg Mitchell's with us. Greg, you OK? Fantastic, yeah. Yeah, well, you were, it said when you saw the news, you were uh, still asleep or waking up or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not lazy. I was just on nights. And, yeah, uh... I was going to say work-related, not lifestyle-related, I hope. <laughs> Laura like woke me up. Her face was like that, saying, "Good news, good news." I was like, "What's going on?" So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a quick awakening, but delighted. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, that's where we should pick up from initial reactions to it. I mean, I was surprised. I guess everyone was, but good news. And do you have to give credit to the board, I guess, and the decision makers for for backing the manager, Greg? Absolutely. I mean. Just didn't see it coming, did we? It was one more game, you know, we'd read the offer was off the table, the original one, and he hadn't signed for so many weeks. And you could just feel like we were getting in this horrible rut. You know, fans started to bicker at each other. And to wake up to this news, to feel this elated and this happy, I just think it's unprecedented. I, I hate to bring them up, but I keep looking back to when Leicester won the league. And a few months later, they sack Ranieri. You think, God, talk about rewarding, well, not rewarding success. And it, it was feeling like that with Cooper. Cooper did the unthinkable last year. He almost got us to a place we shouldn't have been. And it looked like he was going to get punished for it. And for the board to come out and do this and, you know, say this statement after some miserable results they've had, we, we can see it. The fans can see what Cooper's about. The board can clearly see what Cooper's about, and it's just unbelievably great news. I'm just so happy. What about you, Tams? I suppose I said earlier in the week it felt like a, the season was on a knife edge and it could go either way, and a lot of things could unravel quickly. This feels like a move towards long term, long term stability and forward planning, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And Steve Cooper is the right man, and he's, he's, he's earned the right to, to see this one through. I think it's it's been said elsewhere, hasn't it? That if if Forest's problem has been too much change amongst the playing squad, then how does bringing about more change with a manager who will have a new idea, a new style of play, help our mission to to stay in the the Premier League? It it, it doesn't. A couple of notes to this: so the, the contract was on the table for a long time, obviously, and, and Cooper didn't sign it, and he'll have his own reasons for that. We know in the past his his management agency who have a plan for him, who really believe in him and see him establishing himself as a, a top-end Premier League manager uh, as his career progresses. Uh, I hope that's at Forest. It, it could be somewhere else. And there have been times when Steve Cooper, whilst in a role, has applied for, for, for others, um, probably most notably when he was at, at Swansea. So you wonder if that flash of interest from Southampton yesterday might have been the, the catalyst for this, for some rational discussion, for people realising we've got a manager who has overachieved in getting us from where he found us to, to where we are now and have realised that the best chance we have of staying in this division is through unity and preserving that unity. 
because there's a core of players here who are completely sold on Steve Cooper. And if they weren't, believe you me, that would be a major factor in the decision makers making a change. But at no point has there been any chat about Steve Cooper losing the dressing room. The opposite has applied in the in the in the the fan universe. I think when those names were floated earlier in the week and Rafa Benitez was mentioned, it strengthened the resolve of, of Forest fans to get behind Steve Cooper. But yeah, look, results business. Um, what this means is he's got certainty in his own position. He's got the immediate confidence of the the board, but it's results business, and he hasn't got job security. He still hasn't got immunity. If we find ourselves in a similar position in in ten fifteen games time, and it's a long way till the twenty four twenty five season that this contract runs to. But I believe in Steve Cooper, um, and I take that to the point where I'd be happy for him to take us down and bring us back up and we'd be all the stronger for it if that was how it was to play out but there's 30 games left for us to stay in the Premier League and I think him at the helm is our best means of doing that There's a few, two points that should pick up on from that I guess, the first one I mean Greg, we don't, we can't exactly know what changed the owner's minds, if it, if, if they were definitely going to sack him or not but there's obviously been some serious discussions taking place Temps mentions potential interest from Southampton Wolves do, we, do you think another factor has been the fans and how they've rallied? Because there aren't many clubs where you could lose five games on the spin and play, you know, as we said, as badly as Forrest did at Leicester and then still have the fans rallying behind the manager, even during that game at the King Power Stadium as you were there. Uh, yeah, I mean, a friend of mine just messaged saying it's, it's like the last few days have been a positive protest. And I think, um, like I said, it's unprecedented what's happened now. I feel like we'd have been that club that wouldn't have got a new manager bounce. Everyone would have had their heads down. If a new guy was going to be in charge on Monday, it, it just, the atmosphere wouldn't have been good. It wouldn't have been the same, which you get 99% of other clubs, they get a new manager, they get that bounce. I'd go as far to say this is going to be even bigger on Monday now. I feel like we've got the biggest bounce of the season now. And, you know, I, I do think the fans would have had a part to play. You know, it, it's unavoidable that clubs don't, gauge what fans are looking at of course they want them to be happy but I'd imagine very much so as a footballing decision and Cooper on merit about how he is you know his potential in the game he's still so young and to have him now when two other Premier League clubs have shown interest already you know he's been in the England setup. we know his history we don't know how far he can go and for him to be able to do that with us now is just massive and yeah it's a results business but short-term things do happen in football and decisions are always made too quickly. Now we've made the right decision. I, I really think this will be the turning point. This will be the Fergie's one game or he gets the sack point, I think. Do you think, though, Temps, I mean, now's the time as well for the players to you know, the players to step up, really, and back the manager as well. I mean, it, it was still a, like we say, still a results business. If Forrest lose the next 10 games, that contract's not worth so much, is it? Yeah, performances get managers sacked. And I don't believe for a second that the, the team is going out in any way unprepared. But we are seeing individual errors. And we've seen some examples analysed of a, uh, a bit of a lack of grit and work rate when things go wrong, a bit of a lack of um, running at times in, in, in isolated instances where Forrest have, have conceded goals. So, yeah, 
this is the time for the, the the players collectively to to step up to help him with this mission, right? Because we've had a little chat before we, we we came on today about what is our best eleven, what is our our best shape, and we're as confused as as anyone. But behind the scenes, there's a a group of fellas trying to work that out quickly and trying to get the best eleven players on the pitch. So yeah, over to the boys now. We'll get behind them. I think the atmosphere on Monday night will be ramped up all the more as a result of this, but they they need to show in training what they can do and translate that preparation and that plan onto the pitch because it's certainly not part of Steve Cooper's plan to, you know, miss one-on-ones or to concede early or or, or whatever it might be to disrupt us from, from plan A. I just love to see a 90-minute a, a performance of the ilk we saw against... Um, you know, Spurs, West Ham, Everton earlier in the year where we, we, we seem to be stronger than we have been in the last uh, four or five games. And yeah, that has to start on, on Monday. I was kind of dreading that Leicester game, I must admit, because I thought anything could happen. I think the, the worst case scenario did. I don't know how you felt about it going into the stadium, Greg, but do you feel a lot more kind of upbeat now heading into Monday? Yeah, I mean, that, that one-on-one miss... For me, that was the the game right there. I really thought that had gone in the net, and when it didn't, I thought, oh, no, that was the chance. But that's forgotten about now. I think the fans showed in the the last 20, 30 minutes of that game when it was beyond us, the result was beyond us, but we needed... Has he gone? ...and a message... I think the fans showed that out in report for that. I mean, it's going to be huge. It, 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 it needs to be as loud as it's ever been at that city ground. It needs to be like when Pierce walked out. It needs to be redder than when Wembley was. Every single fan on Monday has such a huge part to play. And it has happened before where these big games, which I felt like we missed against Bournemouth and Fulham for whatever reason. You know, Aston Villa are a huge team. This is the biggest game of the season so far. And I think the fans are really going to step it up and show what this city ground is like again, because we've missed it the last couple of games. Do you think Gerard's looking at this now? I, mean, I don't think it changes it massively, but it, it makes it a bit harder for Villa. Gerard's thinking, oh, you could have waited one more game to do this, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, he probably thinks he's, he's going to walk into a demoralised stadium and a demoralised group. You know, everyone does video analysis and they'll have seen the mistakes we make, we have made rather and the manner in which we, we set up. So I'd, I'd love us to surprise him. I'd love us to score first, obviously. But more importantly, I, I, I just want that collective performance to dispel um, their belief that, that we're there for the taking and that we're liable to concede three goals in the manner that we have during the last, last two home games and then gone to Leicester and, and shipped four. So I think um, Villa and Gerrard will come with an attacking mindset and want to pick us off. And we've got to absorb that, turn it on its head and, and make the city ground a, a fortress once more because the iconic moment of Monday night will be Steve Cooper punching the air in front of all four stands if he gets a result. And that's that's got to be our picture of success going into this. So let's talk about the game a bit more then to try and get the success. I've got you doing... Your own 11s. Well, Greg's sort of half done his own 11. Scribble something down, Greg, while temps talks. like when he used to be at school. Always late. <laughs> I think we're still back in Henderson in goal, aren't we? And the, the, the big debate is obviously stick with the four or don't. I, I don't think we should or we will. It wasn't effective on Monday night. I think 
principally where the shape broke down was that the the attacking intent of the fullbacks was was still there, and it, it did leave the the centre halves somewhat somewhat exposed, and there was still that space in down the down the sides as well. So I think he might revert back to a three. Uh, my three for this game would be Warrell, Cook, McKenna. I still can't quite get my head around uh, why Joe is, is is being so underutilized, and specifically why why Cook was preferred to him in the in the back four. So I'd like to see Joe restored to the to the lineup. I'm sticking Nico on the right hand side. I'm probably going to fall out with you two by saying I'm sticking with Lodi on the left hand side. I accept that his performances haven't been where he'd want them to be, but I think he showed flashes and touches of why he can be an effective player down that down that side. I'm sure you boys will make a pitch for, for, for Toff, who's been unlucky, hasn't he, this season. We've got to restore this axis of Mangala and O'Brien as the anchors of the centre-mid. I think Mangala has shown perhaps more than anybody that, that he can live with this level. And O'Brien's just been so industrious throughout, hasn't he? Number 10 is... Uh, there's a hair's breadth between Morgan Gibbs-White and Jesse Lingard for me. I've plumped for Gibbs-White because I think he's the answer in the long term. And some of his progressive passes into the box against Leicester uh, were, were impactful and made us look dangerous. And I'm keeping faith with Tyro Albany and Brennan Johnson up top. So unlucky to miss out Dennis, Lingard, Yatesy, Froiler, Toffolo but players that can make an impact from the bench. And I think we'll see the back three restored. So I'll read, I'll discuss my team then, and then we'll probably bounce a few ideas off it. So I've gone back to a back three, having watched that game, because if you play about four, I think you've got to change the fullbacks and you've got to change Cook as well, really. And you can't make three changes for back four and still expect to win, I would say. So my team would be Henderson in goal, uh, Worrell, I'd bring him back in as well. Uh, I'm torn on the third centre-half, the one in the middle. I'd probably go for Cook for reasons I'll explain in a minute. And McKenna, right wing back, Williams, Yates, Mangala, O'Brien, Toffolo left wing back, uh, Johnson in a free roll, but it could be Gibbs-White and Awani up front. So my thinking is, if I was Steve Cooper now, I just want to pick two players where I know, know more what I'm going to get from them. There's too many. There's too many unknown quantities going on to the pitch at Leicester, for example. That you just players the the kind of the the ceiling and the and the floor for some of these players is too big for me. So I'd want to pick players where you know what you're going to get. Even if to me Remo Freuler is a better player than Ryan Yates in the long run, but right now I know what I'm going to get from Ryan Yates if I put him in a pressure cooker game against Aston Villa, and I think Mangala and O'Brien have to play. So I'd pick Cook as well. Even though I, you know, he we can't say he's had a good season, but that back three—it's the best of a bad bunch at the moment, isn't it? I mean, Bolly hasn't doesn't seem to have done much. Bardes, no one's seen him. Biancon seems to be nowhere near the team. So that centre half and Nia Cat. I mean, if Nia Cat is fit, I'd throw him in, even if he's eighty percent fit. But I think I'd just plump for what I know. Um, similar with Toflo, obviously he's a different kind of conundrum in that he isn't, hasn't been a Forest player last season, but you know what you're going to get from him more than Lodi. I don't. I do think Lodi's a good player, but he's not playing well. Maybe it's just a settling in thing. Maybe he's just you know come from a different style of football. With I think maybe take him out of the firing line for a bit. Um, 
Lingard's a funny one, isn't he? I mean, Lingard was poor against Leicester, but if he does anything, like scores a goal, sets a goal up, he's such a talented player, he'd, he'd bring him back in. But right now, I'd still probably go for Brennan. Again, you know what he can do. Give him a free roll, let him drift out wide to the right, try and hurt Ashley Young, 38-year-old left-back. And then Awani up front, I think he's the only out-and-out number nine we have. Or Surridge, maybe. It's a big call to pick Surridge when he hasn't really featured as much. So... That's my team. I'll look at the comments for a bit and I'll let Greg read out what he's thinking. I uh, It's the only thing I dislike doing because it's the only thing where everyone gets so passionate about <laughs> really slate you. But I've got the same back five as you. I think we have to look at the beginning of the season when we played better. You know, your Everton's, your West Ham's at own, even Spurs, really. Um, so Williams, Warrell, McKenna, Cook, Toffolo. Uh, Yates and O'Brien play for me. I just think O'Brien and Toffolo work well together. We're on about this team that hasn't really gelled yet and getting players that know each other so well and have confidence in each other's huge. Uh, I've got Mangala in there as well. And then I'd play Lingard. I know Lingard's not, you know, he is getting a bit of stick, but he's a quality player. And I look back at it was going to be either Lingard or Morgan Gibbs-White. I look back at the impact, at the impact Gibbs-White had when he came on against Everton. And I think he might need a little bit of that, you know, need to be that impact player again, because he came on against Everton and made the crowd gasp a couple of times. It was impressive and we haven't really seen that from him. So, I don't know, maybe putting him on the bench and bringing him on could be a good thing. And then still trusting Tywo. He was so close to getting his goal um, against Leicester, it didn't happen, but it is going to come. And I think, like you said, Villa are going to be, you know, probably a high press waiting to get some decent attacking chances against us. We need to be able to get them on the counter. Uh, and I've realised I've, <laughs> I've left Johnson out of the team by doing all that. So it just <laughs> it just shows we have got a lot of quality. We've got. Greg, I like two... what you said about impact from the bench. You mentioned it at the in the Gibbs White sense, uh, Everton. But in making that decision between Lingard, Gibbs White, and Johnson, you are going to have a game breaker on the bench. Yeah. You can have an impact or or turn it with twenty twenty five minutes to go if you have to. And I, mm. I think you're apologising for leave, leaving Brennan out. You could make the case for any one of those three being the impact when we need it second half when we need a new gear. Yeah, and I mean Surridge as well. I felt like Surridge is a is a quality quality. When he gets that ball, he can score. So him on the bench, I think he's going to be a key player for us going forward as well. He was missed. You know, he could have scored that goal maybe on Monday against Everton. So these bench attacking players we've got, we've got a hell of a lot more in attack quality to come on than we have defensively at the minute due to injuries and stuff. Let's talk about a couple of names in the comments then that have, people have brought out and we can just reflect on those for the next just 10 minutes or so before we disappear. Steve Cook's probably the first one. Well, this third centre-back spot, or even second centre-back spot, McKenna's the only one who's been picked. It's a real problem, isn't it, Thames? Because people are saying, don't pick Steve Cook, pick Biancon, pick Barde, pick Niakate. Well, Biancon doesn't seem to be rated. Barde hasn't played. Um, no one's seen Barde play. I don't know if you can say he's a good player. People saying pick Niakate. Good. Yeah, I agree. But he's, he's only played two matches for us and he's missed the rest. There's no no perfect answer, is there? 
Having watched a lot of the preseason, I think Steve Cooper did have clarity on his back three, and it was Worrell and McKenna and Niakate, uh with ample backup. And we signed a fair few because we were always going to look to play three centre halves. Niakate's injury disrupted that, and then he did buckle to the pressure of uh, and, and took Joe Worrell out of the limelight for a for a period of time. I still think that's what he wants to get back to is those three, Worrell, Niakate, McKenna, which is a nice blend of winning headers, being physical, defenders that can defend, but also boys that can pick out a, a pass to feet and have that slightly longer range of passing if they need to, to, to ping it periodically. And he hasn't been able to, to pick that through a combination of, of injury and form. I think that's where he wants to get to. Bardet's an interesting one. I think his pedigree suggested that he might be first team ready. In the week that we signed him, we signed Bolly, who for me had far less of a CV and came straight into a straight into a side and for me didn't do particularly well. So I, I think that's what he wants to get back to. And Cook as a leader, as a you know, third choice captain and a player that he really trusts is first man in should there be an injury or a suspension or a you know a, a big loss of form to one of the three. And I think if he'd have had that bedrock through the opening eight games of the season, we'd we'd have more points on the board. Mm. Bardet's the interesting one, isn't he? Because he might be really good. I, I, I think it's one where we just have to trust the manager and what he's seen from him on the training ground. When he's ready, I think he'll he'll put him in. The other name's probably a one year. A lot more people are 50-50 on that. But I suppose the question is, Greg, if not a one-year, are you not going back to the kind of the fluid front three that people hated a couple of weeks ago? Because Dennis isn't a focal number nine, is he, really? What I, no, and what I like about a one-year is it's getting on the break and the counter-attack and getting one-on-one. He proved that on Monday. That was the perfect chance and he was so close. And I'm sure in training this week, it's all been about shooting, target, you know, one-on-one against the keeper. So, uh, yeah, I just think we're going to get those chances where we get them on the break. And, you know, who do you trust to have that? Who's going to be the quickest and the strongest past their the last defender if it needs to be? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I still like that start. I like him to start on Monday. Mm. Someone's commented on my lighting. It's a real problem, isn't it? It looks all right now, but it's, it goes dark suddenly. I can't help it. So I think it was Joe who commented. Um, Temps, I'm going to give you an open goal here. Do Forest have to come out and press the hell out of Villa and really capitalise on this atmosphere and make it a raucous first 10 minutes, or is that a bit risky? People are bored of me talking about pressing, and I, I don't mean it in a, in a gung-ho manner, but building on my answer from last week, I would put Aston Villa in the category of teams that we can beat at home. Not should beat, everyone's a difficult game, but we can beat Aston Villa at home. But we won't if we're passive, let them establish a platform of possession leave them to it in their own half and allow them to change that point of attack quite quickly and, and find where the space is to, to get into our third. So, yes, I would like us to, to, to press more. I'm not quite done talking about the personnel. I think for all the discussions we're having, um, there are three or four players of real pedigree who we're not quite getting a tune out of. And I still think there could be a breakout performance from someone like a Lodi, a Lingard, a Froiler, maybe even a, a, an Aurier at some point who have got a lot more to show. And we've, we've got to find a way to do that. And I, I really hope someone sticks their hand up, who we're kind of debating now, and becomes a, a, an automatic pick. Because there aren't enough automatic picks. 
And the success of last season, the, the momentum of last season was off the back of there being 10 automatic picks. And when someone came in as backup, as Jack Colback did at left back, he became an automatic pick through through form. And I, I just want to see uh, more and more of that. And yeah, my vote will go to the the, the, the players that do get involved in a bit more uh, of an offensive press uh, when we when we haven't got the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my big thing. I don't know what your 11s were. I can't remember. Did you either of you have three in midfield? Because that's to me, that's the essential. Or are you still sold on that you can do it with two? I had a ten in front of Mangala and O'Brien, who had a bit more of a defensive role. Because that was Lingard on Monday and didn't work, did it? No, I think it's I think it's tough to have to accommodate Lingard, Gibbs White, and Johnson in the same team. Mm. And as as Greg discussed earlier, I think we're better served by having one of them as a designated impact sub when we when we need it midway through the second half. Mm. Is that your worry, Greg? Someone's saying it's not the defenders that are the problem, it's the players in front of them can't defend. Is that fair? Um, I think we've, we're, we've got some very similar players in there, haven't we? And that was what was kind of noticeable on Monday, that he, there wasn't someone doing something different to get us out of the mess when it started. It was a, a devastating 10 minutes where it all happened at once and the game was over. And you almost need that level head to say, hang on a minute, you know, let's just sort this out. Let's get together and, you know, think about it. And and that's where your, your Yates and your Warrells are going to come in in the long run and, you know, just bang some heads together and get it sorted. So um, I think there's going to be changes on Monday, isn't there? There's not going to be that. that. I don't want to say weakness. It's not a weakness, but you, you need that, that oomph in the middle, you know, that that big tackle, that, you know, defensive midfielder in there almost, just to settle things down when when the pressure's there. And I think at home, that, that might be how, how the difference is for me. Mm, mm. I suppose the other thing before we go is, to, I mean, if they do go behind temps, you need probably two things. Don't you? Your mental resolve from the players and you need the fans to make some noise as well. Yeah, I, I didn't like seeing that kind of frank exchange of views between... Uh, Gibbs White and O'Brien, I think it was in the in, in the last game, because it, it it it's emotions are high, right? You you don't want to blame culture. You want a situation where people take calculated risks in a game of football to 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 progress the ball, to clear the ball, or to or to score. It's about scoring goals, creating goals, and stopping goals in 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 really simple terms. And I think when you see players having a bit of a ball at each other. It, it kind of hints that people don't know their roles or aren't performing the roles that they've been asked to to perform. So, yeah, I hope we can get past that. There's going to be hardship throughout the season. Every win, every draw that we achieve is going to be a, a battle. But you, you want to see a united front. You don't want to see heads dropping. You don't want to see those out of the 11 being quite poisonous around the camp. You have to have this strength of resolve to improve things from the, the, the point that they're at now and um, we're not adrift you know we haven't picked up the points we need to to pick up at this stage but we're in no way adrift and a win gets us right back into not the pack but we're, we're touching distance of a, a a far more stable position from which we can build and let's not remember this is what Steve Cooper inherited a year ago it was quite a disparate bunch of footballers who were struggling to unite behind a, a system and a selection. He whipped them into shape and got them going. 
and he's got to do the same task again now on, a, on an altogether um, different different scale. But it's a, a task he's familiar with, and I still think he's got a chance of succeeding. Yeah, is that the big thing for you then, Greg? Just before we go, that it's a big if, isn't it? But if Forest do win the game, and I've said this on Monday, on Tuesday, I think Gerrard's right under the cosh at Villa, Harson Hootall's under the cosh, Wolves don't have a manager. There's still a lot to play for. Now it's on Forest to to find some form, isn't it? Obviously not easy, but now it feels like the time to go. Look what's happened with Leicester. They've won one game and all is forgotten. They're still on the same amount of points as us. You know, it is so tight down there. All these teams we thought we were going to be competing against, it's not like that. <laughs> you know, the, these teams down there, established Premier League teams who we can catch quite quickly with a, you know, a win and a draw. We're under no illusion that we're going to, you know, we're not going to start rocketing up the league, obviously, but we're, we're here to fight. Today's news proves that. And I do think that, you know, a good result on Monday will, will set our season off. You know, there's some massive games coming up, some tough games coming up, but there's no game at home, I don't believe, this season, other than Man City, maybe, where we can't pick up a point at least. You know, wins against teams like Villa and then, you know, Liverpool, they're not on form. They're a mid-table team at the minute. You know, getting a point against Liverpool at home and things like that are possible in this league. You just, you cannot count us off. We just need that rub of the green, a little bit of luck, uh, and we'll be ready to go. I truly believe this season is just about to start now. Mm. You, you make an interesting point there because I was, for my actual job, watching to edit Brendan Rodgers' press conference yesterday and he was talking like they weren't on four points. He was talking like they were on 15 points and they were mm. you know, up in the top six. It just shows what a difference it can make. That might come back to bite him if they lose to Bournemouth, but it does show around that perception. Uh, last question then. Um, someone, Dr. Peg, asked in the comments, would you take a draw now? Temps against Villa? No, of course I wouldn't. It's, um, it's not even Forest at home. We don't settle for a draw before the game. We, we, we spin the wheel. So, no, one word, one word answer, no. Greg? Are we at the any final comment stage now? Is this the... No, this is would you take a draw. <laughs> is he going to promote uh, a band again? Is Greg going to promote from his list? There's no more bands this week. It's too important not to talk just about Forest. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm not taking a draw at all. This, If we want to stay in this league, this game on Monday is the game where we go all out for the win. Whether we have to sit back and have some pressure against us like we have been, but we take our chances on Monday and we get the goals and we'll win the game. I will slightly contradict disagree. I will say take a draw <laughs> normally, but then I think, well, then it's Wolves away, then it's Liverpool, then it's Chelsea, and that is a tough run of games. And then it's Brighton and Brentford. Um, yeah, Brighton before with Liverpool, sorry. So there's a little run of games here before it gets really rough against Liverpool and Chelsea. So I would take a draw, but I would, yeah, certainly hope, believe that Forrest can win the game. It's not much Get off that to. fence. I'll take a draw. I said I'll take a draw. Right. Uh, any other business? Anyone want to plug anything apart from a beer festival temps? Anything else you want to well, say? Greg's, Greg's getting a lot of love on the comments, isn't he? He's being called the eternal optimist. Someone's asked whether he can do the team talk before the Villa game, which I, I think would be a good thing. And there's form for that, isn't there? Cluffy famously took a couple of uh, boys into the dressing room to, um, to, to, to get everybody motivated. I'm down there on Monday night with um, some of the cricketers who are parading the championship trophy and the 100 trophy. So... 
yeah, look out for Luke Fletcher and Stephen Mullaney. And uh, yeah, make them feel good. Give them a cheer if you if you get anywhere near them. Fletcher's a big Forest fan and more supports Man City, so he can be slated if you uh, if you if you need to. I want to mention uh, your chat with Darren Fletcher. I thought I thought it was excellent. I think it was um, the kind of rational conversation that Forest fans needed to hear in a week of briefings and whispers and media hype about what might happen and what Forest should be. I think your conversation with with Fletch was a, uh, you know, two voices of of reason appealing for calm and just just spelling out the size of the task that we're we're taking on. So I I got a lot from that, and I, I think uh, a, a lot of Forest fans agreed with your um, respective positions. And yeah, finally the beer festivals at Trent Bridge <laughs> next week. So I'll see you all from Wednesday to Saturday. <laughs> You'll be there, Greg. So I'll give you the last word. Anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah, you don't want me in the uh, pre-match dressing room. I'm on a boat. I'm on the Forza boat, so uh, stuck on a boat for two hours with a bar in close proximity. Uh, any last word from me is just about that crowd on Monday. You know, bring your scarves, make it a sea of red, make it as noisy as possible. Like I said earlier, that time Stuart Pearce walked out of the... Uh, I went to an evening with Pearce the other week and it was brilliant and it showed a clip of him walking out the tunnel it needs to be as loud as that on monday and continue all the way through the game so just bring your scarves bring your flags make it an absolute fortress because it could be a special night perfect note to end on i think so uh thanks very much for everyone who's watched along and commented as ever lots of good comments uh vote for us in the football content awards if you still can i don't think i think the deadline might have passed but vote anyway doesn't matter uh i'll put a link in the comments and in the meantime we'll be back on tuesday with greg and one of the person so greg i'll see you on tuesday yeah looking forward to it temps thank you very much cheers matt enjoy the chat fellas and we'll see everyone soon <laughs>